0: January 9th, 1909, Ernest Shackleton leads the Nimrod Expedition to the South Pole and goes farther than anyone had ever reached at that point in time. He privately writes to his wife, I know a few things about going down south, if you know what I mean. Reportedly, she does not. Welcome to The Revisionist,
1: I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And joining us once again, uh, friend of the show, uh, Byron Graham. How are you? We're happy you doing? to be back.
2: It's de- thanks, Brian. Thanks, Zach's So delighted to be back okay, here to talk about. I feel about,
0: like it's been, it's been a minute.
2: It's been a minute. I feel like I might have talked about a spy last time too. So, no. oh no. <laughs> <Loved>. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I was thinking like I couldn't do alternate history this time because if anybody was a changeling from Brigadoon? it's this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> a,
0: a, a, a peek behind the kimono. We often do these. Um, uh, we often do these the uh, on Facebook messenger. We organize these. Mm. And I think the previous message before this organization was one of our very earliest episodes about Roman emperors. Uh, oh, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, I think Byron's been on there on here since then. Yeah. But, For some reason... Like a a thread
2: with all three of us didn't happen since then?
0: Yeah, for some Mm. reason, the most recent message was about, like, very early on, he did an episode about Caligula, maybe, or Nero, something like that, when this podcast started in 2015, the Barack Obama days. (laughs) Oh, a simpler time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. the president wasn't insane, there wasn't a pandemic... Um we were all in the same building. <laughs> we were in Yeah.
0: And now even if we were in the same city that would not be possible. Nope,
2: nope. <laughs> Brian lives like 5 minutes away from me probably.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah, I I literally I live They have not been on the show so I don't know how many people listening would know these names. I live in the same apartment complex as Ben Duncan. Uh and um Oh God! Who's his fucking roommate? Wes. Um, so yeah, like I could literally I could walk over to their place right now. Um, you guys
2: should get in each other's bubbles.
1: Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I. I. I, I I don't I don't want to impugn their character. Yeah. Don't trust that bubble. Fair enough.
0: Nowadays, whenever you're on on Bumble, that's the opening message. Want to get in my bubble? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it starts.
1: Just me,
2: my mom, and my veterinarian. Get in my bubble. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh,
0: if you're new to this show. Uh, this is a comedy slash history podcast. The basic gist of it is uh, we talk about a person or event from the history of this, our human race, uh, our world. Uh, <laughs> you say that
1: as if you're an alien. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, I Definitely guess we could talk about our dinosaurs. human race. <laughs> so far, we have not talked about animal or uh, pre-human history. So, so far, strictly humans. Um,
1: <laughs> that's also that's also my new dating site that yeah. I have <laughs> I'm hoping to get a good IPO on.
0: Yeah, that's the humans. desperate on OKCupid when you're super desperate, it's so far strictly humans. <laughs> that <is> so fun. <laughs> uh, But uh we talk about uh person or event from history. One person gives the sort of government-sanctioned Wikipedia textbook version of uh that person or event and uh, another person gives um perhaps the more accurate uh sealed by government uh classified bona fides texas textbook version of that (laughs) uh person or event that can be as batshit bananas as they want to could be a very much Stan Lee cameo in the middle of it, kind of thing. Has that ever happened? Not so far, okay. but uh, <laughs> want to put the idea out there. Uh, now that he's dead, he can, we have we have we have legal he's right an to animal. him. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I think that's how when, the
1: law works.
0: Yeah, when you die, you become public domain, um, <laughs> uh, and whatever uh, wins the vote by a judge and then also by you the people becomes the true actual history of this great spinning sphere uh sapphire blue marble going forward uh i kind of <laughs> lost it on that one um yeah that's the basic premise uh We recently finished uh, our series on uh, medical history, timely. um, And in fact, it seemed timely when we started it. And it (laughs) seems like it's just going to remain timely forever. Um, I I
1: had the thought when we first started that. I was like, okay, this is going to be timely for maybe a month or so. And then we'll move (laughs) on to something else.
0: What we're going to do, we're going to come wreck around to it because it's still going to be timely in 2022 when we get back to it. Um, Regardless, uh, we talked about the Black Plague, the alternate history one in which a comedian who uh, took very poor care of his personal hygiene, uh, an ever-present truth, uh, (laughs) was the cause of the Black Plague. And also, uh, in terms of Rebecca Lee Crumpler, the first uh, African-American female doctor in the United States, uh, turned out she was a time traveler. That uh, version of history won. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she was uh, even more, uh, even more um, important than, uh, than we, we initially assessed. Yes. This time... We're going to be talking about Sidney Riley. We're moving on to Spies, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, indeedy. Um,
0: yeah.
2: Byron, you'll be doing the actual history this time. will be doing the actual history. No changelings, no brigadoons.
1: <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> might have actually happened. I didn't <laughs> I mean, that's like he made. He made much. everything
2: up, and he didn't claim Irish ancestry at one point. So you never know. <laughs> he could have been a changeling. This is not part of the... <laughs> that's not on the record, though. <laughs> yeah.
0: Off the record.
2: Off the record, totally a changeling. He seems like just the candidate for it. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, shout out Ireland, because I was looking at some of our analytics. Apparently, we have a pocket of listeners in
0: Ireland. The country we've made fun of the most. The most. most. <laughs> because that's we both have... Lie. We both have Irish ancestries, so we both feel comfortable saying Irish people are drunken fucking stupid. <laughs> uh,
2: I've got some choice words for the Russians coming up. So
0: yeah, yeah, no, that's we
1: we have no one in Russia.
0: Yeah. I got some Russia in me, so I'm I'm allowed to make fun of them. And also, they attack our democracy all the time. Yeah, so right,
2: <laughs> they're kind of just like the world's villains. they they they, they know their role. And they occupy it very comfortably. We're like, yeah, yeah. we're the bad guys.
0: They had it in the right world. in the 80s. Russia yeah. was the bad guy. We figured it out the first time. We didn't need to reassess later. <laughs> the whole thing where we it's- said the Middle Eastern people were the bad guys. No, 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 no. Go back to the Russians. That's a distraction. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, sure enough, like
2: like OG Jordan's. The 80s are back. Russia
0: <laughs> Russia's yeah. the bad guy again. <laughs> it's either Russia or disgruntled Americans. Those are the yeah. two main bad guys in the world.
1: <laughs> uh, and still, somehow, Ronald Reagan also. So, yep. Yeah. Evergreen. Ghost yeah. <laughs> of Ronald Reagan. Okay, I'll start
0: Not with the actual... When I say Ronald Reagan is evergreen, I don't mean his corpse, which I'm sure is gray and moldering as it should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, just, just
1: and, log on to Ronald Reagan net and just get the live feed. Oh,
0: my God. I actually would. <laughs> if I ever felt bad, like had a bad day, I'd be like, let's see if Ronald Reagan's still dead.
1: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, oh, the worms are doing big things today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, They're doing... So- <laughs> They're doing great work. They're doing work with his body that he never did himself. No.
1: <laughs> anyway, so Byron, whenever you're ready.
2: Okay. All right. We're talking today about Sydney G. Riley, aka the Ace of Spies.
1: Ooh. Uh, oh, the like the Motorhead song. Yeah. <laughs> I had, the,
2: I had the motorhead and then the 007 theme just kind of switching back and forth. Yeah, I head.
1: was going to say. While I was thinking was doing this.
0: don't go chasing waterfalls, maybe? A little oh, bit Oh yeah, yeah, that's
1: <laughs> a little out of the left field. Some boys to men.
0: That was the code word they had in the day? <laughs> uh,
1: originally known as
2: Sigmund or Shlomo Markovich Rosenblum, which a name like Shlomo is... It's got to be good. It's, I get it. It's, it's a, you know, a a Judaic name, but man, Shlomo sounds like something a bully made up. Oh yeah. No, it's. What about your brother Fastmo? All right. right. (laughs) (laughs) myself out.
0: I'm fairly certain Poindexter was a real name at some point Mm -hmm. in history.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. They got rid of the Poin, which they should have. Get rid of Gaylord,
0: of course, a real name. I think that one can make a comeback because it only ended because of homophobia yeah.
1: I know I think honestly the first time I saw Fiddler on the Roof and I was realized that the character's name was just Laser Wolf and that was just like sort of a <laughs> fairly <laughs> traditional Jewish name I was just like oh what is this magical language Laser Wolf is an awesome name <laughs> yeah
0: it's yeah, fucking he's
1: fantastic way better than Shlomo
0: yeah. So far, my favorite Cyberpunk 2077 boss is Laser Wolf.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not even it's not even what you're thinking. It is the character from Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, it is
0: actually the character. <laughs> he was cryogenically frozen. <laughs> uh, let's
2: see. Uh, born in either 1874 or 1873. Born in U- Odessa, which is in the modern day Ukraine, but back then. Uh, part of the Russian Empire back then, and in the future, if Putin has this way, <laughs> part of the Russian Empire. He was a polyglot. I mean, this gloss. episode
1: is coming out janu. This is coming out in like almost <laughs> two weeks, so maybe at this point. Katie just texted me laser wolf is the name of the butcher and fiddler on the roof. That's that's precisely what we were talking about. (laughs) I like to think she's not actually in the room with you. And that was just apropos of nothing. I'm in the dining
2: room and she's in the kit in the living room, but
1: uh, she can't hear me.
2: She can't hear you guys.
0: (laughs) Briefly in regards to Vladimir Putin. Um, and his conquest, uh, his, his megalomaniacal ideas, he's not in a great place because they claimed to have one of the cl- lowest c- COVID death rates. And in the past few days, turns out they have the second or third highest in the world and they just hid the numbers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Honestly, who couldn't have seen that coming? Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm not surprised in the slightest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay polyglot he spoke seven languages which is uh, part of what uh prepared him for a lifetime of espionage uh he spoke most importantly for this story english japanese and russian his Mm -hmm. life inspired a lot of books including the gadfly which was written by his former lover ethel lillian boule and romancing a spy is officially the sexiest thing that's ever happened to a woman named Ethel. <laughs> 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 Ethel Boole. Uh, he also was the inspiration for James Bond. Mm. Uh, Ian Fleming got some of his ideas while reading uh, Riley's old uh, secret intelligence service. Yeah. I,
0: I think James Bond has three or four inspirations, but he's definitely one of them.
1: He's yeah. definitely one of them. And then <laughs> and uh, it's whatever it. <laughs> Oh, God, I almost said Ian McKellen. Um, whatever Ian, Ian Fleming, Fleming. Whatever Ian Fleming yeah. was reading <laughs> while he was edging himself for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, depending who you
2: ask, uh, he was either one of the greatest spies who ever lived. That's certainly his account of his life. But uh, he was also a, a con man, womanizer, war profiteer, and probable murderer. Yep, that, that sounds uh, so, right. <laughs> but like I said, you got to take...
0: Oh, go ahead. The nature of the murder with spies is very dependent on uh, the situation in my experience. Christopher Lee is a probable murderer, but I don't hold that against him because it was probably yeah. some fucking <laughs> Nazis. Yes. Yeah.
2: This, uh, this was strictly murder for profit in the case I'm talking about. I, uh, they're, they don't think that he ever... M- killed anybody in the course of his espionage.
1: Okay. Um,
2: yeah, like I said, uh, take everything with a grain of salt because a lot of this could be fabricated. A lot of it's probably fabricated by Riley himself. So, uh, he was, uh, the illegitimate son of a Jewish doctor, uh, in the Russian empire. So he get, he's like, yeah, I got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's fair. <laughs> Anti-Semitism is a cornerstone of Russian culture and economy. It's right behind I mean, borscht, vodka and uh, dying in huge numbers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would say a cornerstone of Western civilization. Yeah, also...
2: <laughs> Russia doesn't have a monopoly on it, but they're, they're pretty good at it. You uh, so he, he had to get out of there. So depending on uh, whose story he either studied chemistry in Vienna or stowed away on a ship to Brazil where he adopted his first assumed identity, Pedro.
1: Wait, so which one is his story? His
2: story is Pedro.
1: Oh, okay.
2: (laughs) His story is the interesting one. (laughs) Okay,
1: yeah, I guess that makes sense. Simply
0: uh, Pedro. (laughs) Pedro. (laughs) <laughs> just Pedro
1: Pedro, just one name He went from Shlomo to Pedro
2: Shlomo to Pedro Rosenbluth. Uh Somehow he got Acquainted with the British military Again, his story uh, Probably untrue version is that He saved Major Charles Fothergill mo- Yeah, a guy With the most British name ever uh, yeah. From an attack by Hostile indigenous people of the Amazon Hmm. But that, I mean, seeing as how that sounds like a story from a book, probably not true. He's um, probably
1: studying fucking chemistry, the yeah. loser.
2: <laughs> Later reports uh, place him in Paris, mm-hmm. where he was either working for or against the Italian anarchist movement. But Just they, depending
1: on who you ask.
2: Depending on who you ask. Although, I, think, I mean, I think he was spying on them like he you know ingratiated like it was sure. an early example of espionage sure but anyhow he murders two italian anarchists and absconds to england with their financial the revolutionary war chest like
1: mm-hmm.
2: he steals a bunch of money from them well i mean which is i mean they're anarchists, so they're like, well, I don't like it, but I get it. It's just, it's yeah. anarch-
0: <laughs> game respect game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
2: once he he moves to uh, London, he kind of you know hobnobs with higher London society. He enters into an affair with a woman named Margaret Thomas. She's the wife of a wealthy reverend named Hugh Thomas. And she, he probably kills Hugh Thomas. They at least conspire to kill him with arsenic. And then Riley poses as the doctor, as a doctor who they can't find any record of, by the way, (laughs) and who (laughs) bore a striking physical resemblance to Riley. Or this time he was Rosenblum. Poses as the doctor to sign the death certificate, marries 24-year-old Margaret Thomas, and takes that inheritance money. <laughs> and around this time, he began he begins working with uh Thomas Melville of Scotland Yard mm-hmm. and changes his name from Sidney Rosenbl or from Shlomo <laughs> Rosenbloom to Sidney Riley. And so I
1: I'm, I'm just I'm also excited now that we can tag this episode true crime. Yeah. Oh man, that's a whole new echelon you can get into. Like, there's,
2: there's murders coming up. There's, there's two, there's three murders already. <laughs> and the one of the, like, he definitely murdered that Hugh Thomas guy. Like they are like they know that he pretended to be the.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like at a certain point you're, you're, you're in the shit no matter what. <laughs> that's one of the other, like
2: that's one of the few things that they absolutely did verify is that the doctor who signed Hugh Thomas's death certificate did not exist and that, uh, they found correspondence between Riley and, uh, Ethel Boole. So they, mm-hmm. um, all right. So yeah, he's, uh, Melville gets promoted from, uh, Scotland Yard to British foreign intelligence service and recruits Riley who speaks Russian to go do some spying in Russia. So Riley and Thomas move to St. Petersburg where they're uh, recruited into, uh, like, they're spying for the English government throughout, mm-hmm. like, Manchuria to get the to progress of the Trans Siberian Railroad. But while he's okay. there, he meets a uh, major, I'm forgetting where I wrote this guy's. A major of the Japanese Imperial Army. I think it's Jira. I don't. I'm not going to make up a. Ja- I don't. Yeah, remember I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. don't <laughs> I don't remember it. I, I thought I wrote it down, but it's not here. <laughs> a, a, a major of the Japanese Imperial Army to uh, start spying for Japan as well. So he's a double agent for Britain for Japan and, and uh, gathering crucial intelligence. In the the build up to the Russo Japanese War.
1: Hmm. Oh, okay. I was going to say this was like early 1900s. Then, like yes, like yes. This is this is like, this
2: is like the... late 1890s, early 1900s. Right. Riley's a, a you know a young man still at this point. Uh, and his biggest like his triumph, his biggest triumph in the Russo Japanese War is uh, he steals the defense plans of the Russian naval stronghold of Port Arthur, which is located in Manchuria. And he enables the Japanese to uh, start the Russo-Japanese war with a huge devastating sneak attack on the Russian Navy. Okay. And then he sticks around in Manchuria, uh, buying... And reselling goods to war victims at a huge markup. So he's like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I done some spying. Now I'm gonna do some war profiteering." Yikes! So yeah, he uh, makes a fortune,
1: and then. Uh, so yeah, again, like they really leave that out of the James Bond
2: story. They, they do like the the whole war profiteering angle. There's a lot of war profiteering in this. Story. <laughs> this is just his first taste. Uh, speaking of, uh, international, like that seem dubious now, uh, <laughs> one of his biggest coups was, uh, s- securing British oil drilling lights in Persia. It's a, a whole, yeah. it's an imbroglio called the Darcy Affair. That's this is one of his most famous exploits. Uh, there was a Australian mining engineer I, named I William. I have to
0: say the idea of like gaining oil drilling rights in Persia in one of the more grounded James Bond films, that would be the villains like major plan. Oh yeah.
2: (laughs) It's, I'm pretty sure it, I mean, switch out Persia for Bolivia and that's quantum of solace. That's the story.
0: (laughs) Actually I will say quantum of solace has the best villain plan because they think he's after oil drilling rights He's after one of the biggest fresh water reserves in the world, anticipating yes. water wars in the wake of uh, global warming. One of the most... Uh, one of the actually, most plausible... I mean, I'm yeah, sure there's
2: somebody working on like
1: Bezos has got to play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then there's the one who just turns people into gold. I don't really remember that one that much.
0: Goldfinger. Well, I'll tell you right now, Goldfinger's plan was to uh, drop a nuclear bomb on Fort Knox, irradiating all the gold so that the gold he had would increase in value That's because the, that gold was irradiated.
1: Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's only slightly <laughs> more grounded than mine. <laughs> uh, so the anyway, the an Australian...
2: Mining engineer and magnate William Knox Darcy somehow has the, uh, somehow owns the concessions to oil, drill for oil on Persian land. And, and uh, Riley dresses up as an Irish priest.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Sneaks aboard uh, Darcy's yacht in the French Riviera and convinces him to sell the rights to England... Instead of selling them to the French Rothschilds.
1: So, like the priest part was that just like I don't think like, everybody at Spirit Halloween or like
2: <laughs> it's it's in the Bible like you can't thou shalt not turn away a priest from your boat. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no like if I'm partying on a yacht and an Irish priest shows up. I'm not like okay. Let's talk about my business dealings. <laughs> Get out
1: of here! This is my party yacht. Yes. I'll see you on the God boat, which is just a yeah. dinghy. Uh,
2: so they they it leads to the fund founding of the Anglo Persian Oil Company, um, which is part of the British Empire's Great Game. Is there? It's that's what they called their foreign policy at the yeah. era. Which is basically—it's tantamount to like, let's just steal a bunch of natural resources yeah. from other countries. Like oil is going to be important, so let's get our hands on all of it that we can because we have none on our soggy little island. <laughs> um, let's. There's some stuff that about him aiding the Dutch in the Boer War, but I. I there wasn't, a, there wasn't a ton of information about it. I only found one source that suggested it. So I'm not going to go into the Boer War, which is also a very confusing war to me.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. First of all, there's, like, two of them. Yeah. And, like, right on top of each other.
0: If you're, if you're in 11th grade history and they start talking about the Boer War, you know what your pun is going to be right when they start talking. Yeah, And no one wants to hear about the Boer War. More like the boring war. Precisely <laughs> the <Yeah>. pun. <laughs> Classic, more like Borophil. Yeah, kind of pun. Yeah, there's there yeah, there more the than one of them. The, <laughs> Boer War, not a good war. <laughs> <laughs> not one of those good wars. Not one of those good wars. <laughs> not, like, not like World the candy war. war.
2: World War
1: well, way. way. Uh,
2: um, <laughs> Well, suffice it to say, some years go by. Jo- Sydney <laughs> Riley checks his watch. He's like, "Well, it's about World War One o'clock." And <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that I know we it's the forgot first to
0: one. mention <laughs> that he had a magical clock that told him yes. what time a war was.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, the clock's name was Lumiere. Yeah.
0: <laughs> or no way. Hey, that's the fucking candles. Anyway. Cogsworth is the clock, <laughs> you fucking cretin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cogsworth. Cogsworth. <laughs> I apologize to the family of Mr. Cogsworth.
2: Yeah, man, you're going to get canceled. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> You can't be calling your Cogsworth Lumiere's in 2020.
0: <laughs> it's fucking not woke. Do the research. Do the research. Look, it's not I, my it's not my job to educate you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, I apologize if any talking clocks were offended by what I said. My culture is not your Cogsworth. <laughs> That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Look, we're on a tightrope here. I don't know how All right. much I want to...
2: <laughs> Riley moves back to St. Petersburg uh, at the at a few years before the outset of World War I um, to do a little bit of pre-war spying. He gets a job in a uh, German shipbuilder. And over the next three years, he steals bit by bit the entire five-year naval plan of the uh, Wilhelmite army.
1: I don't know why. I thought you were going to say a boat. <laughs> he steals yeah. a boat. Bit yeah. <laughs> Bit
0: Every by si- boat
2: is what he
1: calls it.
0: Uh, <laughs> Every single thing he does seems like the plot of Rogue One, basically. Yeah. yeah, I, can yeah. See,
1: I can see that. He's stealing <laughs> the plans to the Death Star. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maz Mikkelsen is there, so is Alan Tudyk.
0: If the Death Star wasn't built by... Obviously morally black people.
2: <laughs> it was built by space fascists. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, he he steals the plan. So he secures a pretty large naval advantage for the British before the outbreak of war. And then once the war begins, he goes to New York city where uh, he tries to whip up American support for the war effort and to counter German efforts to sabotage American munitions uh, factories that were supplying munitions to the Allies.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And uh, he also got to return
1: to his first love of war profiteering. (laughs) (laughs) Or I was going to say murdering people's husbands. No. Murdering people. It's... (laughs) It's more profiteering, uh, stealing ladies, and then murdering people. (laughs) I mean, when you love what you do, you never really work a day in your life. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah,
2: he was selling munitions, possibly to the Germans and the Russians during this time. Again, hard to verify, certainly not in his own accounts of his own history. Uh, And then... Possibly he flew air raids with the Canadian and British air force.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. If there's one country I did not expect to enter into this, it was Canada. Canada,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Canada got into world war one before the United States did. Um, mm. He also, uh, uh, he reportedly went behind German lines several times throughout the course of the war. And his crowning achievement, which probably didn't happen, was he somehow subterfuged
0: his way into... He 45 hoagies in a 30-minute in a period.
1: <laughs> no, he did the cinnamon challenge behind German lines. <laughs> That's
2: actually what led to the signing of the Treaty of Versailles. <laughs> yeah. Kaiser Wilhelm couldn't hold his cinnamon. <laughs> 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 and, I mean, you know... Credit where it's due. Riley did spit it out while no one was looking.
1: I mean, also, who's getting to hey. forty-four hoagies and is like, can't do forty-five? That's a that's a bridge too far for old Sydney. So he ate forty-five cinnamon hoagies. Oh God! Yeah, you just—you guys know you want that cold cut ham and cinnamon.
2: Well, uh, yeah, apparently his, his crowning achievement was sneaking into a strategy session with Kaiser Wilhelm himself. Mm. Uh, but that was you know, probably a self-aggrandizing story. Uh, and here's these next years. It gets even murkier than before. Back in Russia, uh, once the war, World War I is over, the British Empire gets immediately concerned about the Bolshevik Re- Revolution. Which mm. coincides with the end of World War One. Um,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: He gets. He does this thing where he's like, "Hey guys, I'm I'm a Bolshevik like you. I'm going to spy."
0: And <laughs> he's like, <laughs> "Let me tell you about this anarchist I used to know."
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: he uh, organizes an almost successful counter coup uh that includes an assassination attempt against vladimir lenin but it fails and he has to flee russia and so he's kind of cooling his heels in england uh melville and everybody is telling him don't go back to russia but then uh a counter counterintelligence operation started by the stalinist government called the trust Which is like, yeah, That's a Stalin name. I, any Russians talking about the trust? I'm, I buy it. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've never led us wrong before.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can see the movie poster for this. This concept.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so, the trust, a movie starring Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood. <laughs> Riley
2: returns to Moscow, thinking that he's involved in an anti-Bolshevik group, and then he's shortly arrested and killed in what they think is 1925 and they don't know a ton about the circumstances surrounding his death but records do show that it was ordered by joseph stalin
0: yeah well you fuck around with stalin (laughs) stalin (laughs) if if anybody knows about rewriting history better (laughs) than Sidney riley it's fucking joseph stalin (laughs)
2: Yeah. Or even you brought you O'Reilly to a Stalin fight, my dude.
0: <laughs> I have that set. I have that Magic the Gathering set with Riley and Stalin. Stalin wins every time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, and that's that's the you know, he's dead, so that's the story of uh Sidney Riley,
1: the ace of spies. Not that uh, ace, he got fucking murdered yeah. trying to do a spy. <laughs> <laughs> by, like, the most obvious fucking trick.
2: Um, the old- I mean, that's a, like, he's, he's more impressive to me as a con man than yeah, as a yeah. spy. He, might he be a, all these people.
0: He sounds almost he, more like Frank Aberg- Abagn- Abagnost or whatever that guy's name is. Yeah. Uh, Abagnale. Abagnale. Catch that's me if you thing. can. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, Byron, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks
2: for waiting for me to finish my Trafalgar Square thing. (laughs) Yeah, look, again... I started writing it down, and I was just like, oh, wait, that's all not true. Or I I don't know, I needed to get, like, the whole story and then write it. Yeah. And I was doing it piecemeal, and it just
1: wasn't working. (laughs) That's a a little behind the kimono. Uh, We were uh, were going to record this um, last week, and then... (laughs) This tonight, be byron your... working on a trafalgar square puzzle this was going to be your christmas wanna... <laughs> episode so. yeah oh okay oh a lego not a not like a puzzle okay
0: byron yeah. could you do me a genuine favor yes take a picture with your phone of that trafalgar square uh lego manual or the completed thing if you have it completed send it to brian and we can put it on our instagram <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes it was my christmas present (laughs) yeah i mean it was also mine because i also i would have ended up editing an episode on christmas eve or christmas day oh Um, yeah yeah i you know i feel like podcast listeners have taken a break during
2: the holidays maybe i don't know
0: um, I actually feel like that's the, the opposite of true. <laughs> Usually the, the the holidays are when I'm like, I need a fucking minute. <laughs> Is yeah. there any new podcast? Uh, I'm not at work. <laughs> yeah, but fewer people are
1: like traveling to their weird aunt's place where they're like s- sneaking off into the bathroom to listen to an episode of like the last podcast on the left. I-
0: or smoking a cigarette like you know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Oh God. Well, um, I have, you know, sort of a, um, it's not, it doesn't fully contradict uh, Byron's history of Sidney Riley. Although there, there will be some things that come up. Um, So when Sidney Riley joined the foreign intelligence service, he became privy to a lot of the, Secrets of the inner workings of the British Empire, Uh, you know, things that were going on in the colonies that the public didn't really know about. And uh, chiefly, the chief secret he became aware of uh, was that in her last, like, 40 or so years on the throne, Queen Victoria developed a massive thirst, an insatiable, insatiable hunger for... Stop!
0: I thought truly you were going to say hemorrhoid. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no I'm gonna I'm gonna save the insatiable hemorrhoid For another one Because that gives me a good story prompt um,
0: No But Queen Victoria You know she, 1837 to 1901 Is a long time to sit on a throne That's all I'm saying
1: <laughs> but No it was like the X throne So it was ergonomic Um, (laughs) uh, so she's rich, powerful. She's sort of isolated. So over 40 years, uh, she develops this appetite for erotic stories from all corners of the empire. (laughs) Um, and you know, the whole Royal family being raised in that environment, they develop the same, the same hunger. They just wanted sex stories from Hong Kong to the Caribbean. Um, and as the empire expanded along with, you know, s- spices and tea and wow. oil, <laughs> other <laughs> they, you know, brought in these stories. Um, but, you know, after a while it wasn't enough. It was, they needed more, they needed more Otre topics. Um, and, by the time Sidney Riley joined the foreign intelligence service, every arm of the British government had been dedicated to unearthing hot, hot sex tales from every corner of the globe. Um,
0: oh, and this, it was the erotica force. It was yeah, Yeah. Before an, uh, what is it called? Uh, an archive of our own. <laughs> this is the original version. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be hard to not actually give away actual porn knowledge. Um, <laughs> for, I I know I know Byron has some sort of Victorian erotica background. Um, <laughs> that's Lord Humphrey Slipchuckle. That's You're Lord Humphrey Slipchuckle. For... <laughs> that's right. Sorry. <laughs> um, but Riley was actually really well suited for this. Uh, not only was he a skilled con man, a smooth talker. Uh, he was a keen story editor and like every story editor, just a grade, a (gasps) cast iron pervert, like (laughs) a number one bone shattering. Just what this, what this guy thought about 24 seven. Um, so like his first mission under, under the guise of a like a simple counterintelligence, uh, counterintelligence patrol, uh, he collected this particularly ribbled tale of, of a pool boy caught you know in the the spell of the widow who employs him and it was It was such a hit not only in sort of the intelligence circles but with the queen that he was pulled aside and he was promoted uh, and they actually had him create a task force dedicated to unearthing just the filthiest stories the world had to had to offer so the rest of the government can focus on the other shit they were doing. So he organizes this force. He calls it Her Highness's Obliging, Ribald, and Naughty Yeoman, or Hohorny. Um, they, uh, Hohorny goes on uh, many missions, um, like uh, Operation Lockhard, The Tale of Two... Uh, lordly gentlemen uh, wrapping up a game of squash in a most exhilarating manner. Um, uh, you know, the, the assy mission uh, about a lady-in-waiting with... A uh, caboose that would wait for no I'm trying to think of <laughs> not like <laughs> not like gross or upsetting synonyms here mm, okay. and it's kind of <laughs> more challenging than i thought um and uh you know there's uh operation rolled tall uh
0: see when you said ASCII, i wasn't sure if you meant like a s c i i like the, oh,
1: yeah.
0: the coding like the standard code thing? Interchange thing? No, no. In this context, it's butts. Yeah. Okay. So it is...
1: Uh, (laughs) Uh, Where another story that takes place in a fanciful factory um, that is opening its doors for the first time in years, and they manufacture a a range of fantastical toys. Uh, Dildos. Really. Mainly mainly dildos. Um, Of course, there is also... (laughs) There was also like sp- actual spy work involved. Um, most his like most famous mission uh, was when he stole the blueprints for like the world's most advanced cockring to keep it from falling into Stalin's hands, um, which that that pissed Stalin off, um, <laughs> and they all they already didn't like him because. In the USSR, it was actually illegal to have porn or erotica that wasn't about Stalin at this time, um, or at least did not feature a Stalin lookalike. Um, and like current Stalin, not young Stalin.
0: Yeah, it's called Stalin core. It's still very popular. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's Stalin play. Oddly popular in Indonesia, which you wouldn't
0: think. Yeah, yeah, it's weird (laughs) how these things crop up in the weirdest. Yeah. (laughs) I saw one of those charts of like the most common places that look up different porn. And it's like, oh, in uh, Minnesota, it's granny porn. And in Tennessee, it's Stalin play. Like, what the fuck?
1: (laughs) I would have thought in Minnesota, it would at least be casserole porn.
0: Um. (laughs) i mean isn't
2: that the same isn't that the same as granny
0: (laughs) yeah yeah they usually have a casserole when they enter the scene
1: i think they actually call it hot dish which is more appropriate um there's um there's also like thinking about because like everyone's horny for like that fucking young stalin picture but it just reminds me of how every single russian person just ages super hard like they look at like age 35 they look you know really really good then a russian person turns age 36 and it's like something happened they took a right turn so anyway um, even for even for someone working as a spy undercover uh riley grew famous um you know later books and movies would be based on his exploits like, uh, Ian Fleming. Uh, so some of Ian Fleming's works based on the life of porn hunter, Sidney Riley were, um, Dr. Yes. Uh, in her majesty's secret cervix, um, Goldfinger, um, you know, these things.
0: Octopusy, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, that one was actually Sometimes, just called eight pussies. So
0: the yeah, the thing about when you porn paradise, in Fleming novels, eventually it's just like Moonraker. I, it's already there. Yeah. It's already there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> You start with you only come twice and you end up with oct- <laughs> <laughs> property property of a lady. And, yeah. <laughs> a genuine uh, Ian Fleming story, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. your balls. Yep. Yeah. Didn't Now Ian Fleming was part of like I I think With Roll Doll if I'm not mistaken. They With, uh,
0: I'm not sure about Roald Dahl, Christopher Lee and s- someone else whose name is escaping me right now. He was part of a government agency in World War II called uh, something like the, the League of Ungentlemanly Services yeah. or something like that.
1: Well, well, that too. But I think Ian Fleming with like Roald Dahl and someone else wrote like... Erotic. Roald
0: Dahl, Roald Dahl wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang screenplay and You Only Live Twice. The screenplay for that James Bond movie was written by Roldall,
1: Right. But I think they together wrote erotica, I think with a third person involved that did not like get super published.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that.
1: But like with Riley's success and bringing in these stories, pressure really started to mount um, because, like you're feeding that sort of that sort of hunger, it doesn't go away. It just it builds on itself, um, and so Riley, the pressure got to him, and he eventually buckled and began making stories up. He became a fabulist, and like each one was exactly what the Royals wanted. It was like it was perfect. They were just. Uh, very pleased, um, and then, and then guilty, and then sort of low level depressed <laughs> for the rest of the day. Um, they they were masturbating. Um, <laughs> is what it says in my notes, um, but like the stories were a little too perfect, um, and no one else would have caught it except for his fellow uh, horny agents, and so they they caught him in a snare. They trapped him. Um, inventing the story of the Duchess's fur suit, and so he was sort of disgraced, and he was put on desk duty. Um, and uh, his sort of his sort of fall from grace later became the subject of the movie Shattered Ass, starring Hayden Christensen. You're um, um, Your porn parody. Just,
2: they're so funny. They're so revealing.
1: <laughs> Nobody else remembers the movie Shattered Glass.
0: I did not. I didn't know that was <laughs> on
1: on anything. I have I have watched that movie like five or six times. <laughs> it's a movie where Hayden Christensen is actually great because his character needs to be incredibly whiny and, and, and insufferable. Yeah, <laughs> like Hayden Christensen in his like in like two thousand seven let's say I'm, I'm sure he's matured the um,
0: 2007 film shattered glass that everybody <laughs> <remember>. <laughs> and when you make your porn parody reference hey you remember the sandra bullock movie premonition <laughs>
1: about... oh, premonitionary yeah
0: what about yeah premon... yeah
1: <laughs> which is actually kind of a boring porno
0: my my first thought was prem commission but yeah prem- oh yeah Premonitionary yeah. is better <laughs> and of course
1: uncle boon me who can remember his past fucks (laughs) well people actually
0: like that movie
1: (laughs) yeah that's true that's a great movie it is it's fantastic i don't mean to lump it in with the same category as premonition i mean she does bang a fish in that movie (laughs) that's true i forgot about that so Uh, i think queen victoria would approve (laughs) (laughs) um so Dissatisfied with um, being assigned desk work, uh, Riley decides to defect to Japan, uh, but he's caught en route by Soviet forces. Um, and he's charged on these sort of, you know, trumped up charges, um, <laughs> causing sort of unrestricted horniness among the people. And he's executed by firing squad. Um, and before, before he left, though, he did pass on his file of erotic stories to David Duchovny, Sr., um, which led to eventually the Red Shoe Diaries. Um, oh, not even
0: Californication.
1: Californication. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so just, okay. Well. well, both, I think. I, for some reason, think David Duchovny was involved in both he was Um, he was
2: in the but in the Red Shoe Diaries he was just reading he would like that's yeah go Um, to the bridge with his dog to read these erotic letters like you do you know just like this is a steamy story let me go to a public park
0: I really like that your pop culture swings and this alternate history are very niche (laughs) yeah that's
1: true and yet Um, I know all of them (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah not gonna lie part of that was like oh byron's oh erotica (laughs) because of course byron makes me think of erotica i don't want to i don't want to cross these wires i realize
2: uh, is from queen city companion may may she rest in peace
1: yes Uh, (laughs) where I just, I don't want to, I don't want to explain the character. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, uh,
0: Listen, I've been friends with Brian uh, for many years and he does have a tab on his laptop that is BFG slash OC or BFG slash uh, POV. Like these things are just all over the place. And slash OC is
1: actually slash fiction with the cast of the show, The OC. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's you a little fuck, more mainstream. It's just it's me Byron, and Seth Cohen.
0: You don't know how many times you fuck Seth. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, I, he was a relatable character, so I,
0: I'll. I'll I'm you. sorry. Summer said no, and you were there.
1: <laughs> I in no world did I imagine you two would know shit about The O.C.
0: <laughs> uh, I
1: was in high
0: school in the mid-2000s, yeah. my friend.
1: <laughs> I, so was I. I did not see that. Um, anyway, that's that's the alternate history of Sidney Riley. I watched um, all four seasons of The O.C.
2: <laughs> I, I actually, not only saw it, the I was main, a
1: completist.
0: The main reason I know it is, I never watched it when I was in school, uh, but uh, my girlfriend was a big fan of it. And we have recently had... We have once a week a thing called Trash Night where we drink too much and watch trash TV. Nice. And The O.C. is one of the trash TV shows we've been watching. We're mm, about a third of the way through season three.
2: It's pretty great trash. Yeah. It gets... The fourth season is insane. Or you're just like,
1: why'd you do this? (laughs) 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 Oh, God damn it. Um, listeners, before we move on to judgment, um, Hey, um, if you want to start off the new year, right, why don't you write us a review on your podcast service of choice? Uh, written reviews are especially helpful. They put butts in the seats and are voices in your ears.
0: um, And the beautiful thing about uh, iTunes reviews, written ones, is you can write whatever you want. You can write your favorite OC ship. So, you know. Are you uh, Seth uh, Summer? Are you Ryan? Um, I forget Misha Barton's character's name right now. Marissa. Marissa, yeah. Whatever you like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. you can also <laughs> uh, write us a letter on revisionistpodcast.com um, or keep in touch on our Instagram or Twitter. Uh, just search Revisionist Podcast. And uh, yeah, if you are so inclined and have extra money, um, <laughs> which <laughs> I know not, is not the situation for a lot of <coughs> people, we do have a Patreon, which is just search The Revisionists on there and check out uh, the rewards we have for you uh, if you are able to donate.
0: But, yeah, uh, again, uh, before that, I would recommend donating to, uh, say, uh, uh, we had uh, an Amnesty International person come by recently who was talking about, you know, there's a lot of people displaced by COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, yeah, set up a regular subscription to that first, or... um, you know it's the holiday season it's the winter like uh, if you can go out to walgreens and buy some socks and withdraw ten dollars mm-hmm. and like a toothbrush whatever uh, a box of of tampons something for a homeless person near you like that stuff is very important yep. to unhoused people who might live around you and like Some people don't think about that, but like, yeah, uh, socks, tampons, toothbrushes, stuff like that is, is extremely important uh, uh, to folks like that. Extra coats, you know, Mm -hmm. that stuff.
1: Uh, If you have access to like outdoor supply, an outdoor supply place you can order from um, the, um, the little packets of like hand warmers are also um, a really good idea. And you can get it, you can get a case and just distribute them uh throughout the winter. Yeah, um I guess that that also sort of covers our our plugs because you know, we've been talking about things that are more important um for that section and yeah, I guess just
0: uh, I'll say briefly, um I have another free podcast that's on YouTube and uh podcast general areas called The Movie Trap. Uh, it's kind of a film review slash game. Um, uh, if you're interested, go ahead and give it a listen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Brian's been on, a, on an episode and yeah, it's, you know, yeah. if you like this, you might like that. Yeah. It's a lot I mean, of fun. Yeah. This um, isn't the
2: most important thing, but uh, if you're a fan of Denver comedy, you should kick some bucks to the lion's lair. They yeah, would go fund me to okay. stay open.
0: Lions Lair is uh, an institution.
2: An institution. I don't just say that because I'm somewhat in their employ as an open mic host. I love that place. I would be really sad to see it go. Mm-hmm. A lot of places in Denver are closing. Uh, you know, this has been hard for everybody. But if you've got war profiteering money, you <laughs> <laughs> can give it to the Lions
0: Lair. <laughs> yeah, Lions Lair or, you know, is... is... It's an icon of the Denver yeah. landscape, and it'd be a it'd be a true shame if it went away. War profiteer money would not be
1: the dirtiest money that had ever passed through Lion's lair, I can fucking guarantee. Yeah. No,
2: there's some literally dirty money
1: yeah. that yeah. is
2: probably still in the register from 85. <laughs>
1: so support support an institution that is also the most haunted bar <laughs> in Denver, probably. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Donate um, to their GoFundMe or the jazz ghost will haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, a very soothing haunting though. I will say, instead every- of like wailing above the quarter, it just plays some righteous sacks every day at 3am.
0: <laughs> every soul who made a go at Denver comedy in the past 25 years has a story about the lion's lair. And to be, Mm. Be tragic if that place uh, disappears.
1: Jason Wardell met his wife. I was going to say, yeah.
0: Well,
1: I, I, I was it. there that night. Uh, <laughs> I think also somehow, and I could just cut this out. I think we were there, Zach, and somehow, somehow Vic G's clothes ended up in your car.
0: Oh yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We,
1: it doesn't surprise me about him. It surprises me about, like, that he was able to get inside a vehicle.
0: <laughs> somehow. Yeah. There were, like, some pants in my car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway. Um, that brings us to uh, to Judgment, which is uh, on Zach's shoulders this episode.
0: I gotta say, uh, this is an interesting one. It's probably a career bullshitter. There's, there's a unique uh, enticement in this episode because the real story is the alternate story. It's mm-hmm. both at once. As much as I appreciate your uh, erotica crossover stuff, Brian, I can't deny the fact that I can vote for the real story and the fake story at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I just got to do it. I got to do it
1: yeah that is totally understandable uh and listeners voting is now uh early voting is now open on patreon and check out our instagram story uh next wednesday not the first wednesday after this comes out but the second one uh for the final round of voting uh but yeah uh i think that'll do it for this episode uh byron thank you for joining us again thank you
0: guys by the way, that'll be Wednesday, I think, the 16th.
1: Yes, thank math. you. I was fumbling with my phone trying to get that. <laughs> um, Zach, thank you, as always.
0: Uh, of Thanks, course. guys.
1: Good um, to see you, as always. Yeah, good to see you. Uh, have a good time. Happy New Year, everyone listening. Happy Actually, well, when
0: you've listened to this, it's already the New Year. So
1: Yeah, the, the New Year is like nine days old at this point. So
0: Yeah, you're done with that shit.
1: Yeah, you're already <laughs> saying this is worse than 2020 because <laughs> yeah, our short-term memory. Um. Anyway, have a good time. I don't. I want to sign off weirdly. Dunking. Don't you on- think
0: it'll be interesting? Like one of these years. Before we go, I actually <laughs> want this in the episode. So the, for the past six, five or six, five or six years, no, probably like four or five years. Every year we've been like. The next year can't be worse. Yeah. One year it's going to get better, right? <laughs> you, you'd you think that.
1: And I kind of think that might be the case. Or it could. We
0: could be well, in. You're in 2020, listener. I hope it's starting out on the right foot. <laughs> Have a good time. Have a good time. Uh, and another year of revisionist fun.
1: Yeah. January 9th, 1861, Mississippi becomes the second state to attempt to secede from the Union and carries on that legacy today by being 49th in education. January 9th, 1909, Antarctic explorer Ernest Shackleton plants the British flag 112 miles from the South Pole, if you know what I mean. Okay, one more. January 9th, 1923, Juan de la Tierra makes the first autogyro flight. To everyone's shock, there would be later autogyro
0: flights. January 9th, 1431, the trial of Joan of Arc begins in ruin. Judge Kavanaugh defends his right to judge, despite the fact that he likes a few beers with his friend Squee. (laughs)